0: Let's talk about government. Why not? It's an election year and courthouse squares across our country are burning. So, uh, people are crying for justice and crying against the police and crying out, you know, to attack racism. What do we make of all of this as Christians, as people with the biblical worldview, what do we make of all this? How do we make sense of all of it? And, And on top of that, It's an election year and the insanity just keeps building. Hang on. This ought to be an interesting episode. Welcome to No Sanity Required. Welcome to No Sanity Required from the Ministry of Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters, a podcast about the Bible, culture and stories from around the globe. So I want to in this in this episode, I just want to talk about government I want to I do um, a short series on voting and government and the, the role of a Christian in, in terms of his or her citizenship. So Romans chapter 13 is the biblical passage that talks about our responsibility to government. And so Romans 13 says, let every person be subject to the governing authority, for there's no authority except from God and those that exist have been instituted by God so we're to submit to government and i want to talk about what that looks like in different types of governments and in what it looks like for us in america those of us who are in america and we have listeners from around the world but specifically what does it mean to to you know submit to the authority of our government and so let's let's start off by laying down some definitions of different types of governments okay so here's some different types of governments monarchy monarchy is when you've got a king or a queen that rules so a single person that rules and a monarchy is typically going to be ruled for life so you see this in the times of the kings in ancient israel see it throughout the british empire um, of the last few centuries that's not the way britain operates now they're not a An actual monarchy, but that would be the rule of a king, and that king's first for life. Next, anarchy. What is anarchy? Wait, wait, wait. Let's go back. Let me let me give some pros and cons to each one of these. Pros and cons. Monarchy. If you've got a good king who's noble and just and and governs well, like most of Solomon's reign, most of David's reign, you got a good king. That's a good thing. So the people get to enjoy peace and rest and fairness. uh, You know, representation in the government, things like that but about one in a thousand Kings are good because that kind of power What's the old saying, uh, power corrupts, but absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. So you give an individual a whole bunch of power like that and with no real restraint and which in a monarchy, what the King says goes, I mean, he can have chief of staff killed like right now. Like, I mean, there's so many stories you can read about that from the time of the, the British and French empires and, and monarchies of the middle ages. So, so monarchy pros and cons pretty obvious. Anarchy, all right. What's an anarchy? Anarchy is what Antifa is is trying to bring into power. So what is by definition? What is an anarchy? Well, I don't have a definition written down. We, you you can Google that and look it up yourself, and it won't take you long to figure it out. But anarchy is when essentially there's no governing rule. It's kind of like might make right. Uh, there's no, you do whatever you want to do. There's no law. There's no order. Um, it's insanity, zero law, zero order. It's barbaric. It's insanity. Whatever feels right, do it. And you'll see, um, you'll see a glimpse of anarchy biblically at the time of the judges, because over and over throughout the book of judges, it'll say, and in, including the last verse of the book, it says, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. So anarchy is everybody doing whatever they want to do. And typically, it's tribalism, so you join together, you get a big enough clan or tribe or group of people, and you can kind of run roughshod over everybody else. So there are no pros to anarchy um, that I could think of. So it's bad, no order, no justice, um, It's and it's typically just completely out of control. Next... Um, a socialist government so let's just talk socialism for a minute here's the problem with socialism you might have seen this on a bumper sticker the problem with socialism is that eventually you run out of other people's money to spend and so that's kind of a simplified funny uh, version of it but when uh when you think of socialism tend people tend to think in one of two tracks if you are gen x or older gen x or older you think of the soviet union so that was a socialistic um society and government where that socialism socialism is the idea by the way that um the government everything that everyone has belongs to the government so and 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 that's oversimplifying it a little bit because the deeper philosophical idea is that everything i own belongs to everybody else so it's like we all share equally everything we own so if i've got a hundred dollars that hundred dollars is not mine. It belongs to the common good of all people. So it's to be distributed. And, uh, and, and then in a more aggressive manner, it, it socialism belongs. It means that everything I own belongs to the government because somebody has got to manage and monitor and, and govern and control. So socialism is bad because it always leads to theft and uh, like, like, someone's always managing everyone else's money. And so like it could be government or government officials or whatever. So, so like, uh, the reason socialism is bad is because you can't take something from someone that's called stealing. Okay. That's called stealing. So taxation is not supposed to be stealing. We pay our taxes so that we have roads and, and, and infrastructure, and a military and defense and a health department and codes and education and things like that. We don't pay taxes so that the majority of our money goes to be distributed equally among all people. That's just that that's not the way it's supposed to work because um that's stealing. <laughs> and so uh socialism the way that we knew it, those of us that grew up in the Cold War era, you think of it it's pretty easy to say oh that's a bad system a lot of young people it's very romanticized idea and i think bernie sanders is the one that really put it kind of at the at the forefront of the more modern era with young people where this is a very romanticized idea that oh we can all just share and share alike and get along um so you get free education. You don't have to pay for college. You get free healthcare. You don't have to pay to go to the doctor. You get free transportation, free cable TV, free cell phones. And, and at some point you got to stop and say, okay, nothing is free. So who pays for all this? And then what the, The young, naive socialist will say is, well, the welfare system or the government or it just gets paid for by the collective or whatever, like everybody's given money and everything's being paid for. Look, somebody got to pay for college professors to show up and work. Somebody's got to pay for doctors to come and do their job. Somebody's got to pay. Anything you get that's free, it's free because it's been paid for. It's free to you, but something being free doesn't exist other than the air you breathe. So you breathe free air; you don't pay for your air. But if you don't get free food, you can go to a food bank and get food that's handed out. Somebody paid for that food along the way. It, like some, so like you get free education. So let's say University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill beginning next year is going to give away free education. All you got to do is apply and get in, and then it's free. Well, how are they going to keep the lights turned on? Who's going to pay Duke Power for the power bill? Who's going to pay the massive Internet provider, the Internet bill that they're going to have? Who's going to pay for campus police? Who's going to pay for uh, campus doctors? Who's going to pay for um, the upkeep and maintenance of the buildings and the sidewalks? And then the the naive socialist says, nobody, it's free. Or they say the government's going to pay for it. Where's the government get the money? They don't just print the money. If you print more money, that creates inflation and drives the value of the dollar down. So if we say, well, let's just print another trillion dollars. So we print it. Now, the money that was already in existence is worth much less than what it was worth before. So that doesn't work. So socialism is idiotic at best, (laughs) I mean, it's idiotic at best, and it's evil and diabolical at worst. So it doesn't make sense. Socialism never works. And people will say, well, the reason socialism never works is because it's never been done the right way. Look, there's no right way to steal from someone else. Let me explain this to you the way Ben Shapiro explained it in a a recent interview I heard him do. And it's like this. Three people are sitting in a room. One person has a hundred dollar bill in his pocket. The other two people vote two to one to take his money and distribute it equally so that everybody gets $33.33. That, you just stole from that guy. You can call it socialism, but you just stole from him. That's what socialism does. And so, socialism is, is not good so socialism bad monarchy bad anarchy bad socialism bad communism is like the natural progression of socialism we won't get into that but communism was where literally the government controls everything they tell you where you can live what food you can eat how you get that food so on and so forth okay so let's get down to these last two there's several other forms of government that we could talk about like for instance uh in an islamic state you've got you're operating under sharia law so that's a an Islamic. So you'll see like some countries are an Islamic Republic. Um, They operate under Sharia law. That's getting into a more religious side of, of those types of governments. And there are about 50 something of those in the world. So you've got the rule in those countries is by the Quran fundamentalism according to the Quran. So all right so what we're talking about is democracy and republic. So a democratic republic is what people will call America. So let's talk about the difference in a democracy and a republic. So a democracy is as romantic as it sounds. Um people think oh a democracy's great because uh essentially Um, everybody gets to vote and everybody gets to decide who's going to be our leaders. Well, in a pure democracy, laws are made directly by the voting majority. Okay, so in a pure democracy, if 50.5 percent of the people vote for something, then it's law and 49.5 percent, the minority are then just that's just tough, tough luck that's how it is. Okay. So, so what happens is, um, the minority is left unprotected, largely unprotected in a Republic. The laws are made by representatives who are chosen by the people, but those representatives must comply with the constitution. So in our case, the U S constitution. So the representatives when like when, when you're, When your representative, your congressman or congresswoman or your senator is sworn into office, they swear to uphold the United States Constitution. Okay, So uh, in a republic, laws are made by the representatives, and this is what we call the legislative branch of government the representatives are chosen by the people. Then they have to comply with the constitution. They're under the authority of the constitution and they're under the authority of the populace. So our senators and congressmen representatives are under the authority of their constituency. This specifically protects the rights of the minority from the will of the majority. How so? Well, in America, we've got what's called a separation of powers. So, all right, so you've heard this. So you've got, um, the House of Representatives and the Senate, that's the legislative branch. The legislative branch makes laws. You've got the judicial branch that is at the the pinnacle. Of the judicial branch is the Supreme Court. And then you have circuit courts and states, Supreme Courts and so on and so forth. The judicial branch enforces the laws. Legislative branch makes the laws. Judicial branch enforces the laws. Then you've got the executive branch, which is the, the chief executive officer is the president of the United States. And so we have a president who is elected and there's a process for how he's elected. And he oversees things like government spending, um, government spending, budget, money, finance, military, uh, things like that. And so the separation of, of the powers is that no individual power has all the control. So, so it's re- in other words to, to simplify this, it's really hard to get anything done. It's really hard to get anything done. So the Congress and Senate, the legislative branch, they have to have a majority that's more than a 51% majority in order to pass a law. Okay, so so in the Senate, you've got to have 60 people. Like like I'm going to round some things off, and I'm not going to be exact on all of this. So you've got 100 seats in the Senate, um, which is essentially two from each state. Okay, so in the Senate – um, those guys and gals serve for six years and a majority right now the the balance of the senate is 53 to 47 republicans to democrats or conservatives to liberals whatever 53 47 but 53 is a majority but but then you've got this thing that's called a super majority where when you have like a two-thirds vote then you can and then you can control voting in the senate so essentially a simple majority does not get a whole lot done. There has to be cooperation from both sides to get a bill passed. House of Representatives, is a little different. Um, like in North Carolina, we've got multiple representatives. Um, our particular district, uh, we've got um, a, a, a representative for the western part of North Carolina. Okay, so that has traditional or that has for the last few years been a guy named Mark Meadows, um, but I won't bore you with all that. So you've got everybody's got a representative for their area and then a senate a couple of senators for their state. Okay, this is the this is the legislative branch. This is the branch that makes law. And then if you get something passed in the House of Representatives and in the Senate, then the president has to sign it. So I was a government major and I had a I had a jurisprudence professor who said the best thing that we can do is have a disruption within our federal government where if if the president is a democrat we need to have a republican control of the house and senate or house or senate and if and and, or vice versa and the reason is because if you have a super majority where there's one party in office in the white house and one party that controls and that same party controls the house and senate then they can push things through without much reservation and then you move from a republic more to uh, just a pure democracy so so in a republic, there is representation of the people, um, and the people that represent them who are voted into office, they represent they're representatives of the people for the people, they serve the people. And so a republic tri- strives to protect the minor- minority, republic protects the minority. That's the simplest way to put it. A republic protects the minority. So, so the rights of a minority are not trampled on. And we've had a lot of issues and problems in our history, but the bottom line is this system governed under the governance of the constitution is what has made a way for, um, women's rights, civil rights, freedom of people to vote and have a voice in government. Like it didn't start out that way, but the system was put in place where eventually slavery was abolished and, um, women's rights were established and, um, minority rights were established because the constitution provided for that and the system of government that we had also provided for that so in a republic you've got um you've got a majority ruling but there are some caveats to that now you will hear people talk about the electoral college and they'll say uh, we need to abolish the electoral college because for instance in 2016 hillary clinton won the general population vote so like she had more votes than donald trump But he won the electoral college, which is each state gets a certain number of electoral votes. So like California, Texas, New York, they get they get larger number than most states because there's so many people. It's by population and zones and districts and things like that, where South Dakota and Wyoming, they don't get many electoral votes. So when you win a state in an election, you win those electoral votes. And in the end, ultimately, you've got to have the most you've got to have a certain number of electoral votes to win. So what this does is this helps someone in Wyoming have equal voice as someone in California or Texas so that when you're from a smaller state, you still have, um, like your vote really does matter. It really does count. So the electoral college spreads out the voting power of the people so that it's, it's spread out over the whole population. So. That's a republic, so monarchy, anarchy democracy, republic, the republic, without a doubt, is the best the best way to do government there's for the people it's the best way it's the most fair it 's the most opportunity for the people um, so the United States is essentially a republic, but a lot of people will call it a representative democracy, so you've got- ma- like like majority ruling. But there are caveats, and 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 it's more of a republic, I think, than than a, a pure democracy. Okay, so I hope that doesn't bore you to death. Hope that it makes sense. So, what does all that mean for us on a year like this? You will have to stay tuned for the next episode. We're going to talk about. That being the case, now that we've established what type of government we are and why the electoral college matters and why my vote matters, um, next episode we're going to talk a little bit about how to vote. Hope you enjoyed this, uh, this little mini-series that we're doing right now, and I hope you just roll right into the next episode and give a listen. Thanks for tuning in to No Sanity Required. Thanks for listening to No Sanity Required. Please take a moment to subscribe and leave a rating. It really helps. Visit us at SWOutfitters.com to see all of our programming and resources. And we'll see you next week on No Sanity Required.